Hey everyone, and welcome to the Irenic Ref Podcast. I am your host, Andrew Gross. The word Irenic means aimed at or aiming towards peace, and my goal with this podcast is to try to create a bridge between coaches and officials by showing the humanity of each other in a more robust way, which isn't necessarily achievable in the minimal interactions a coach and official may experience during a game. With all that said, let's get to it. Today's guest has been a coach for 25 years. He's been a DVC Coach of the Year multiple times in both basketball and track, Region 3 AD of the Year. He's been multiple conference and conference tournament titles as a coach, district titles, region titles, you name it. He's been to the state tournament um, with Sioux Valley, and he has currently been at his current school for 16 years. And with that, I will introduce to you Mr. Brad DeBeer. Brad DeBeer, thank you for coming on the show. Hey, you bet, Andrew. Thanks for having me on. I really appreciate it. Yeah, not a problem. Um, I, I forgot to mention, and I think it's, I think it's awesome to note, is that you kind of have a radio broadcast background, don't you? You want to tell us a little bit about that? <laughs> yeah, a little bit. I did radio for 20 years, actually, while I was coaching. I was fortunate enough to work at Brookings Radio, and they allowed me to coach for six years at Sioux Valley and then 14 years at Newbrook. And now the last year, and I guess it's going on the second school year, I've been the dean of students and AD and still continue to coach at Newbrook and got out of the radio business about a year and a half ago, June the 10th, actually, uh, a year ago. So Okay, is that is that retirement then, or is that you just stepped away and... Yeah, that this is must be retirement. Yeah, I still okay. get my fix. I get my fix by doing state tournaments for South Dakota Public Broadcasting. So I get to do volleyball and both basketball, boys and girls state tournaments on TV. So I get my fix that way. Yeah, and 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 correct me if I'm wrong. You also get a little fix from doing some officiating. Is that correct? You know, I do a lot of lower level officiating, not as much as I used to. I just found out actually this summer I have arthritis in my hip, so I've got an appointment this week Friday. I think I got to get a hip replacement. So okay. uh, by running up and down, I'm just going to volleyball referee now, stand in the stand, and I can handle that. Okay, there you go. Yeah, I uh, I just remember one of the first times that I did meet you. It was at a Dakota State University women's basketball team camp, and I was like, man, this guy he he does a pretty good <laughs> job. And so and then I come to find out. Uh, you're not specifically just an official, you're a coach as well. And so you've got, it's kind of nice to be interviewing someone who's get, who gets it on both sides, the best of both worlds. But we know that mostly you coach. I'm not saying that, that to minimize the officiating because obviously any officiating is, is helpful to the game. Um, but, I, you know, coaching is where, is where you kind of live and breathe, I feel like. Yeah, I spend my, I spend my, that's my full-time job, you know, refereeing. I, I just think that a lot of coaches should do it for the lower level stuff. I, I run across a lot of guys that don't do, it, especially the younger guys. Now they're just not used to it. And I always feel like if I get on the other side, put the whistle in my mouth, put the stripes on, I can be better on the sidelines when I'm the coach and I have more understanding of what's going on. Now I like to kid some of the guys that, cause I do that, I get to have more say, but of course we know that's not true. So yeah. That's that's true. So I mean, sometimes the credence is given a little bit more to someone who stepped in that position, yeah. and and definitely, you can understand, uh, you know, where we're coming from in a sense. But then we also got to realize if you're talking to us, it's probably for a good reason because you you know the way it, it operates as well. 
Well, that, you know, the older we get, the smarter we are, obviously, too. And I mean, you know, I've been doing it for 25 years for the most part. Maybe, you know, a couple I helped out a little bit in junior high a couple of years. So I'm probably on more like 27 years. Um, but you just you learn over time. You know, when you're young, you're you got a lot more energy as far as you think that what you're saying to you guys in the stripes is going to make a difference. And in the end. I, you know, you got to understand what's going on out there. And, and my energies now over the last probably 10 years, for sure, I've really changed my energies during a game to my kids. And I think that's what has to happen. You know, uh, guys that referee, girls that referee, spending, I, you guys don't get paid enough money to do what you do. It's just you do it for the love of the game to stay in it. We all understand that, or we should as coaches. So we need to understand our time, our energies need to be spent more on our kids. Now, I tell our kids a lot. I'm going to stand up for them if I feel like it was maybe a judgment call that in my judgment was something else. But again, most referees understand that also. And we have a good conversation. We move on and we go to the next play. And if I got to tell my kids next play, then I got to tell myself that too. Yep. Yep. No kidding. And I think that's one thing as officials, we try to do the as best as we can. We try to explain what we called. If there's something that isn't seen eye to eye, we try to just get to the next play. That's kind of a mantra that I've heard is how can we get to the coach the next play? And if we, if that coach, if we keep that coach at that last play or we keep coming back to it for some weird reason, then that's all that coach is thinking about. And then it can build tension there. Do you feel that way? Yeah, I do. I see it a lot. And you know what? Again, we're all smarter when we're not the ones in that position, but I watch a lot of games. I go to a lot of games and I find myself watching coaches interact with officials about a play that happened in the first quarter. Well, you gave them that in the first quarter. I want that back now. That's not how it works. Like, Maybe it was missed. That happens. We're all human, right? We, we miss yeah. a call. I, I certainly don't call every play the right way. You can ask a lot of people. They'll give you that for sure. So you just you got to play in the moment. You got to move on. It's over. You're not going to go back and fix it. We're not pros, you know, as far as like replay pros and that kind of thing. Yeah. So it's time to just move on, go to the next play. I, I tell my kids a lot, and I know this sounds easier than it is. If we get every rebound, we make all our shots, we don't turn the ball over, and then we still lose for whatever reason, okay, I'm probably going to have an issue somewhere. But yeah. that's never going to happen. So sure. do your best, take care of yourself, and then let everything fall where it might. Yeah, absolutely. And, and just one more thing to note, I like listening to you when you're broadcasting for SDPB because you you then getting, I think you get more into a referee mindset when you see the calls being called and, and the plays being made. Um, yeah, I and that's what I appreciate from you is you you know that side of it. You're not like, and I don't mean to like name drop, but some big names on division one games where they're like saying, Oh, he was still moving or things like that, where they don't really fully understand the rules. You, on the other hand, you understand the rules and then you're looking at it more objectively from, from the official's perspective. Oh, I'm way more objective as a broadcaster when I do those games than when I've got my tie on and I'm coaching up my kids, because like I said, I'm going to fight for my kids. Sometimes I fight for my kids just to let them see that I'm in their corner to try to make them play harder knowing. And I, I say this a lot and I don't, we don't see you near as much as I used to, but I tell a lot of referees, I'm just talking to you because my kids think I'm not talking to you enough. So I'm <laughs> just going to talk to you. And then we have a good conversation. Yeah. You know, the, the, I, we see Jerry beers, we see Scott Mack, Pete Entringer. I know you just had him on. Yeah. We see those guys so much. We have such a great relationship and I, I feel like I can have that conversation with them. So it's, that's the part of what I've fallen in love with now in coaching is that interaction as much as my interaction with my kids on a daily basis and at, and at games. Yeah, absolutely. And, and speaking of kids, not directly um, those kids, but 
uh, let's go to like your family or, or even just like, tell me more about yourself, personal introduction here, uh, family hobbies, different things like that that you do. Yeah, well, I, uh, I turned 53 years old here next week, Monday on the 18th. So nice. uh, all of a sudden, I'm just an old guy. Um, <laughs> I have, my wife, Rochelle, has a, is a teacher and coach. She's been coaching for 27 years as well. She's a graduate of Dakota State University. She was a two-sport athlete, ran track, actually probably three if you count indoor and outdoor as two separate ones, mm-hmm. and then was a volleyball player for four years. So she did all of those. Um, my daughter graduated from Dubrook uh, in, ni- in 2019. Went to Dakota State, was fortunate enough to be part of their basketball team for the three years, uh, her first three years, where they went to, you know, national tournaments, things like that. She was also a part of the track and field team for four years. Um, and then she chose not to play basketball her senior year because she was student teaching uh, and was down in Menno, just thought it was just going to be tough to give both what she needed to. So we run around, chase her around doing that. Now she's a coach and a teacher teaching fifth grade in Menno. Uh, as you said earlier, myself, I'm dean of students now at Dubrook Area Schools. My wife's the math teacher and teaches some reading classes. So we stay busy with everybody else's kids. We chase our own down uh, when yep. we can. Try to play a lot of golf. And, uh, you know, we live on a lake, so we spend a lot of time in the summer out on the water just uh, enjoying our free time a little bit. Oh, for sure. I mean, growing up, we – so I'm I'm originally from Hanson or Alexandra, Hanson High School. And so we've got we've got that massive lake, Hanson, there. And uh, we would we would take our boat down there and go uh, skiing or whatnot every once in a while. So I totally understand uh, the love of the lake and uh, hanging out at least by it. Do your do your sisters out ski you or do you out ski them? Because I mean, come on, we know yeah. their athletic backgrounds, they, right? They, yeah, very athletic. Um, formerly known as the Gross Twins in the state of South Dakota. Um, <laughs> yeah. But yeah, um, I. You know, neither none of us are really that great at skiing. The one who shines in the skiing realm is my dad. I mean, okay. he gets up slalom and just goes, and it's pretty impressive to watch that. Besides that, I mean, I tried wakeboarding for a while, and I could get up, but besides that, I was just kind of cruising along. Not not many yeah. tricks or anything. For so. sure. Yeah, I, I Great story, this side story about, about your mom. Yeah. She used to referee volleyball, and when we were at Sioux Valley – I remember a time she showed up without shoes. She was wearing, I don't know, dress shoes or something, and then went to change into her official shoes and didn't have any. And uh, we still talk about that when I run into her. So that's great. Yeah, absolutely. And that, and it's funny, like, as, as much as people talk about, like, you know, my mom was a volleyball official and whatnot, they asked me if I want to do that. I'm like, yeah, I'm not really, I don't see myself doing volleyball. Um, but then it's like, that didn't even trigger me to want to do officiating um for basketball it, it just wasn't something that mm-hmm. you know influenced that at all um, and and we kind of are quite different in in our approaches to officiating but yeah i it's really interesting to see you know talk about my mom as an official and then look at me and just the there there wasn't really an influence but it, it's fun to see that you know we're both in that realm or had been in that realm well i think you see that a lot don't you i mean i i see a lot of you know, whether it's mother, son, mother, daughter, father's daughter, whatever, across mm-hmm. the state. Now you see some younger generations getting started, but it's like teaching and coaching. The people that are teaching and coaching now come from teachers and coaches. Yep. It's a lot of the same with referees. You know, they, they, they do the same thing. We just had a, uh, a, a in-service with the, uh, a gentleman from, from here on that everybody would probably know that referee. And I'll just leave his name out, but he was a principal at Huron for a number of years. And, you know, he had his daughter involved and when she was young. Yep. And he talked about that at our in-service and just talked about the fact that, you know, getting, bringing kids up in those environments 
that just breeds more of that. And I don't know how we're going to find others outside of that because not everybody's having enough kids to sustain that. Yeah. But it sure is neat to see that happen. Yeah, absolutely. And so, and right there, we kind of talked about the influences in officiating influences with that. Uh, I think you said it was a principal or former principal. But like, along with that, what influenced you to get into this coaching realm? Maybe some people that had that kind of stirred you into it or was it just a passion for it? Tell us more about that. You know, right out of high school, I, you know, I, I, I had no idea. I was a typical immature 18 year old that had no idea what I wanted to do. I thought oh, I'll go into the business world. Cause that's what my brother did. My dad at the time um, owned, we owned a grocery store when I was little. Then he managed a bowling alley for 26 years in Brookings. And so I just, that's what I knew was the business side, but deep down, I love coaching. I coached a lot of younger youth teams and just was a part of it all the time. Uh, so I had that kind of inward desire to want to do it. But then I come from a coaching family. I mean, my dad coached for 10 years and decided to get out. He was a college athlete, got into coaching and teaching. He got out of it. Um, I have two uncles, Andy Nelson, who is in the Minnesota Coaching Hall of Fame, one of the most winningest coaches before he passed away at Lake Benton High School over in Minnesota, did some coaching in South Dakota, way back before I was even a thought. Um, my Uncle Roger, a lot of people know my Uncle Roger Nelson. He refereed, he coached, he was an administrator for, I uh, felt like 100 years, you know what I mean? He just, that's what he did. And, and until he passed away, um, I have, my cousin Kim is the head football coach down at Sioux Falls Roosevelt. My cousin Terry now coaches girls again in Britain. He's retired and came back to the sidelines. But he was at Shine and Go Butte. He was at Chamberlain. Uh, he's been all over the place. I have a cousin, Tom Nelson, who was in Scotland for many years. And then he went on and finished his career teaching at T. So just in the family, I have a cousin, Peg, who caught, uh, taught and t uh, coached for, I don't know, probably 20, 25 years. So just a lot of coaches and teachers in the family. And that's just the life we've lived for the most part, you know, um, as far as my cousins and I. Yeah, and, and it and it kind of goes back to what we were talking about a little bit earlier, just in the family, uh, just th that – that um you know influences but also just the stirring on and, and seeing maybe success from a lot of your relatives also is like man i think i can do that as well i've you know i've got that ethic i've got that that drive that passion and and maybe that's something i can do as well well and it certainly gives us something to talk about at family reunions too <laughs> instead of just hey i haven't seen you for a while you know we're always watching each other's uh, events i know i'll run into my cousin kim at howard wood every year yep. and he'll be working or something and he's got to check in on how the team did, how it did last year. You know, he's always, well, I was watching scores and this happened. So we kind of do that, keep it, keep in touch. It's a great way to keep in touch with family. And, you know, you build that family out and out and out with all the people that you come across. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, I have a, I have an uncle who lives in Kansas, longtime basketball official and some college realms, most, I think mostly high school. But yeah, every time he comes up, we talk about rules, rule changes, just, um, just games that I had the past year. And it, yeah, I, I get that connection between family members when you're talking about um, the games or the officiating or whatnot. And it kind of just draws you closer even when you don't necessarily think you'd have a connection with someone. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, I, you know, we, one day I just, I don't know, when I was at the radio station, you put a song on. So what are you going to do? You sit there and think about weird things. And I was just thinking of all of our family that had coached and things and put the years together. And I mean, we, I, we were approaching 300 years of experience in wow. our family. And I mean, immediate family, as far as first cousins, uncles, or myself and my wife, that kind of thing. So 
it's just crazy to think about that and all the lives you get to be a part of and have been around different people. And, you know, you, you end up running across the same people in some of the same circles. Yeah. And that's, and I think that that's a lot of, of fun when you, when you look at that stuff and it, it also kind of can lead in, like you were talking about when you're talking about different things, it leads into stories. Um, <laughs> and so like, maybe give me, give me a few stories of whether they're fun, they're weird, they're, they're kind of kooky or anything like that of, of some of the coaching experience of your coaching experience. Like is, is there some fun ones that stick out or there's some weird ones that stick out that, that are like really like ingrained into your brain? Well, I, I mean, I guess one that first one that stands out is one of my early days of coaching. I was an assistant with the boys at Sioux Valley. I was just, uh, I was the junior high coach, but then I sat the bench with the high school and Bill Vincent was in his early years coaching the boys there. And, and we were on the bench and we were playing in a, I think it was a, a, a district game because there were still districts back then yep. at Frost arena. And Gene Struck, referee, and I remember. And, you know, we're dressed up and we're wearing our nice ties and everything. And jump up for a, a quick bang, bang play and kind of, oh, kind of kick my shoe on the floor. Kind of like, oh, I thought that was travel. And I, they weren't laced shoes. They were just slip-ons. And it actually ended up at about half court at Frost Arena. Oh, no. So that was, that was kind of neat. Just I, For whatever reason, Gene Struck was at the other end. And he just kind of looked at me like, what are you doing picking your shoe up? What just happened? Never really saw it. Went back, sat down, you know, total accident. So that was kind of funny. I learned to wear shoes that tie after that all the time. Never put a shoe on that doesn't tie. Uh, So, you know, you have that kind of experience, you know, just experiences with kids and wins and losses and those types of situations that I remember, you know, there's hundreds of those types of games that you go through. Yeah. Um, I think, you know, referee interaction, I've become, uh, really good friends with Paul Roselle yeah. uh, out of Warner, you know, Paul. And, you know, it was a state tournament. I was coaching Sioux Valley girls. We were in a, a battle with West central. Uh, it, well, it became a battle. They blew us out in the first half, but second half was a really good basketball game. And you know how it is. You're a little frustrated because we didn't play very well the first half. And I've got a, we got a great picture of me on the sidelines, hands on my hips, directing a comment toward him. And the, the starography guy had a picture of it and he blew that up. Paul did and hung it in his basement and his son growing up always at dad, who is this guy ran into him at a team camp in Aberdeen. One time he brought his kid over and he says, Hey, this is that guy that was yelling at your dad. (laughs) So, you know, we have that conversation and I had to tell the son, I said, I was not yelling at your dad. I told him to talk to his partner about a call he missed. So <laughs> yeah. it worked out great. So yeah, there stories like that, those kinds of stories are the ones that yeah, keep me coming back. That's great stuff. Yeah. So that kind of touched on one of the, the memorable interactions with an official. Is there any other memorable interactions with an official? Is there, is there, is there one maybe you've had with me that was memorable? I, I mean, you can, you can grill me as hard as you want if you have one. Um, well, I mean, the one that stands out, I ran into your sister after the game, and she's yep. like, man, you really kept your cool. I said, well, what, am I, what are we supposed to do? Change yep. it? It was, a, it was a bang, bang play, if you remember, at Hanson at the Corn Palace yeah. Classic. And our kid got a steal, took it at the basket really hard, and their girl slid in, whether she was there or wasn't there. I mean, it was that close. He could have called yep. it. If I'm not mad, the other coach is probably a little upset kind yep. of thing. It's one of those. So I just remember, I actually have a hole in the knee of my pants because when you made the call, I went to my knees like, no. no. It, it wasn't really like I was yelling at you, no. I was just like, yeah. that was a chance to win the game, no, and yep. it went away. And so 
I still have the pants and it's not a big hole. It's just like a burn mark. And every yeah. time I put them on, the kids are like, are those the pants you were wearing at the corn palace? I said, yes, they yeah. are. So yeah. it's and, just, just a reminder. No. And that's, that's the one that I remember very vividly as well. And, and it's funny you mentioned my sister because as soon as I knew she was there. So I texted her as soon as I had made the, not as soon as I made the call, that'd be weird. But yeah. I got back to the locker room. I, um, yeah. And I texted her. I said, do you think that she was set and that was, or some to that effect? And she's like, that was a bad call. And I'm just like, Oh my gosh. I love that girl. That yeah. girl is one of my favorites. And, and it's, and it's funny. She, um, I think she's like, she, she understands the rules well enough. There's also times where, you know, I'm like, well, that's the rule. So I have to call it that way where she would disagree. But right. in that's in that situation. I was like, yeah, I, uh, I, the, my insides just said, oh, that didn't feel good. But as soon yeah. as my hand went up, I was going the other way and I, I had to keep going with it. And yeah, as I had Pete on the last call, he's like, as long as you hit it hard and you sell it, the coaches are either going to believe you or they're going to have to believe. Like it kinda, he kind of said something yeah. to that effect. And, and that's and, the thing. If it was, if it would have been in the middle of the second quarter and that play happens, yeah, you don't remember that call. No. You, you, those are those are a dime a dozen, right? Yep. It just happened that it was five seconds left in the game, a yep. chance. We still had a chance after that, and we missed a, a bunny kind of a, a lob play that we ran. Yeah. We still could have won the game. So again, did it end up being the call? Well, it was an a call. I yeah. mean, you know, it happened. So yeah, for sure. Well, and, and and it's really funny that you know I talk I do some baseball umpiring as well, and and I find it's interesting that a a missed strike call seems to be more consequential in baseball than a foul call. And not saying like, obviously if you call a foul with zero seconds on the clock, that has an impact on the game more right. than a strike. But in the same regard, if it's a foul, it's a foul. And the the players dictated that sort of situation. Yep. Yep. But, I agree. Yeah. Baseball, a strike is totally, was it on the corner? Did it just yeah. miss the corner? Was it, you know, was it high? Was it low? So I get that. Yep. And so I, yeah, that's, I was curious if that's, if that one's still stuck in your brain. Cause that one, it's still, I, I think I still have the video on my phone and I occasionally <laughs> go back and I want to, I want to be like, ah, I look so close and I just, well, I just can't what, erase it. What cracks me up is the number of texts I got because that was, it was on, you know, it was broadcast live. It was a stream yeah. game. The number of texts I got because people asking me one, did I think it was really a foul or two, if you if you didn't think it was, how'd you keep it together and not get teed up? And I'm just like, <laughs> well, I, I I don't know what I was supposed to do. Like, it wasn't going to change the call. I can ask you, yeah, and, and you can tell me. I'm not going to say, well, you should change it now because you're not you're not going to do that. Yeah. And again, when I was 27, I'd have probably argued that for a long time. Sure. But when you're 45, you understand that it is what it is. Yep. You you've got like probably. 15 more games and your voice needs to last those. No, I'm just kidding. But yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, anyway. Yeah. I, I, I appreciate you not going ballistic on me there. And, uh, <laughs> and, uh, but yeah, um, it, it, it is interesting. The times that, um, yeah, that you can, what's it called? Um, yeah. Just interact with each other in, in, in a yeah. positive way, but, Sure. Anyway, well, don't you think, and don't you think too, in the in the game of basketball, especially now, we see it's so it's so out there. Everybody has access to watch basketball. Yeah, six nights a week, seven nights a week, sometimes. 
and that and it's almost year round anymore. So everybody thinks they know something about basketball, whether they're mad at the coach for running that play or they're mad at the ref for not calling that. And that's what it's become. 30 years ago, you didn't have as much. You didn't see as much basketball. So you could kind of get away with, hey, this is the rule. This is how we call it. Not everybody yep. thinks they know something about it. So they all think they have an opinion. Yeah. but And it's even better, though, for officials because we can look at games and see plays and do things different than even in yeah, the past. Yeah, you can so fix it for sure. There's a there's a blessing and a curse at the same time there. Yeah. Um, speaking speaking a, a kind of on the same lines of rules, black and white. What's a rule that that was added in the time that you've been coaching that you're like, yeah, that's a that was been a good addition. And then also on the flip side, what's one you're like, I don't really like that rule, and I wish it maybe was modified or just kind of gotten rid of. I don't know if it's necessarily a rule per se, but the, the shot clock bringing the shot clock in was brilliant for for basketball for high school basketball yeah. i'm a total proponent it has changed the game for the better it's taught kids to react quicker think the game faster understand situations late in a shot clock you can play defense differently because you know you only got to play it for 30 seconds as hard as you can and you're gonna have an opportunity to get the ball back you know what i mean yeah so i think that i don't know if that's necessarily a rule i guess it is yeah. that's a that's a big one that i think was huge for basketball um on the flip side, I, you know, I don't know. I, we used to be, I used to be a big, we trap a lot. We play a lot of full court with all my teams. It just, I, I believe in girls basketball that if you've got athletes, you can find ways to be successful that way. And, you know, I don't know how much it's called honestly anymore, but when they put in the, you can't have your foot out of bounds, it's automatically a, a block, whether you're standing there for three days or you just yeah. slid in. I mean, I guess I don't know. I always we use that at doing our advantage. Just get your foot out of bounds. Where are they going to go? They got to go around you. Yeah. When they said you can't do that anymore, it just you had to teach it a different way. Yeah. So it was a little harder. I don't necessarily know that it's a bad rule because I don't know how much it gets called. Quite honestly. Yeah. Correct. Um. Because most of the time a kid is probably either moving anyway to get to that spot, so that's why you get the block called. It's not because they're standing out of bounds. Yeah. But I, you know, I I think most rules are for the most part implemented. For the better, I, I think it takes some, some getting used to for some of the rules. Yep. And I, I, you know, we haven't had a lot of big rule changes the last three, four years. So it's been kind of nice to be able to get in a flow with your teams and teach them as seventh graders. And then when they come to you as sophomores and juniors, you're not having to reteach a rule. So that's been good. Yeah. And, and following up with that, what is your thoughts on some upcoming rules that we've got? The five fouls, uh, shooting two, and... Um trying to remember the other one here what anyway some of the thoughts on those well the five the 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 no uh one and one i think is great i you know i watched my daughter the last four years or three years play college basketball um and i've watched tons of other college basketball since when they went to when college women went to four 10-minute quarters and then put that rule in that game cleaned up so much and mm -hmm. it became so much more fun to watch i remember sdsu prior to that going to watch games and granted they're fun to watch because they're good players but mm -hmm. it was painful to watch in the fact that it was so herky-jerky there was no flow in the game and yeah. i think it's gonna i i think it's great i think it teaches us to teach our kids about defense that fouls matter like you, you don't go out there and just get seven fouls right real quick in the first quarter because now they're shooting two the whole time like yeah you know and then what i do like about it is okay, we learned our lesson, we start our next eight minutes, we go back to zeros. Now, let's play better defense here. So I think it's great. I love the rule. I think it's going to be fun. Perfect. 
Um, last question I'm going to ask kind of off the cuff is for, for newer and younger officials, um, what is something that you would recommend to them maybe not to do, um, as they approach a coach or maybe something to do as they approach a coach, um, in any, in any situation? Well, I, again, communication is, is key in, in the 99% of my, you know, interactions with officials, Communicate. I'm a communications guy, so I'm I'm going to talk <laughs> whether they yeah. want to hear me or not. I'm going to talk to them. But for the most part, you know, I I have seen young guys get in and they're a little leery because they hear some war stories. There's some horror stories about coaches attacking them verbally from from the minute the ball's tipped. And I don't think that's how it is from most coaches. So communication early, and don't be afraid to stop and say, "Hey, here's what I saw. This is why I called it." Like. I can't argue with you when you tell me this is how I saw it. You yeah. know, if you implement the rule wrong, I could probably argue yep. because you saw it this way or whatever. What am I supposed to say? Like that stops me in my tracks. I also like veteran officials who let me have a say early. And mm-hmm. then when they've had enough of me, they walk by and say, okay, that's enough. It, it isn't stop and point. And, you know, it's just, Hey, I've had enough now. I mean, I'm going to throw a name out. James Benny and I have this relationship for a long time. And I've known James from, you know, basically when he was in high school. Yeah. And he lets me say a lot of things to him about questioning calls. And the minute I say maybe something too close to the line, he lets me know that's probably enough. You're you're probably close. Now let's just stop. And I know it's time to get out of it because you know what's happened in that time? My kids have started to play like I'm coaching. Yeah. And they're whining. And now I'm whining, and now it's no fun for anybody. And yep. so we get out of it, and you got to go back to coaching the game. So I, I think that's a big thing is communication for young people getting in. Don't be afraid to visit with the coaches in the appropriate moments. Yep. You know what I mean? Absolutely. So, and there's a fine line in, in, in finding how to do that. I think mm-hmm. my biggest problem as a younger official was I was going to tell the coach exactly what happened, and I was right. And sometimes that doesn't come out correct either. So you do want to come to the coach and tell them what you saw, but being open to understand that they may have had a different angle and they saw something as well. And I I know for a fact when I was doing two man to start, oh my goodness, like there's angles I couldn't see and the coach probably had the best angle and had the foul call. Um, Right. But yeah, I, I, that was one thing that I would say as a younger official, I, I had too much pride in what I thought I saw versus like, Just stating what I what I thought I saw. Well, maybe not what I thought I saw, but what I saw in that play that made me call it, and then just letting the coach talk to me and being like, "Okay, I guess if if that's what you saw, then I missed it, or we're just not going to see eye to eye because that's not what I saw." You know, that sort yeah. of approach. No, and I and I like what you said earlier um, in talking about you know what you saw, make the call. I think Pete said it to you: make the call, and whether right or wrong, you're going to miss some calls. We all know that it happens. Yep. We all. Or you either just get caught out of position or whatever. But the minute, in my mind, a minute a young referee wavers, like, uh, now the coach is going to kind of, they're going to go. And yeah. so, boom, I got this. Here's my call. This is what it is. This is where we're going this way. Yeah. You know, maybe I missed it, but that's what the call is right now. Let's move on. We got 14 minutes to play still in this game. We got a lot of time to fix that. So Awesome. Yeah. Thanks again, Brad, for stopping on the show today. Um, yeah, I hope, uh, hope people... Check this out and continue to watch the Irenic Ref podcast here. Again, I am Andrew Gross. This was Brad DeBeer. And uh, thank you again, Brad, for stopping in. Appreciate it, Andrew. And I like what you're doing with this program. I think it's great for people out there to see 
we get it out to some of our fans, let them see it. I think we're going to see behavior change as well. It's on us as coaches to reflect what we want people to act like towards referees. So I think stuff like this is a great way to start it. Awesome. Yeah, I appreciate that. And uh, I, I hope that it, it goes both ways as well. So, again, thanks, Brad. Uh, we will talk to you hopefully this year at a game or so. We will see you somewhere. Appreciate yeah. it. Thanks, Andrew. Thank you.